Living the Dream acknowledges the traditional owners of the land it is recorded on, especially the Jagera and Turrbal peoples, elders past, present and future, and their continuing struggles for justice and self-determination. Podcast. Living the Dream is an irregularly published anti-capitalist podcast from Brisbane. So you're listening to Living the Dream and it's Dave here and I am out in Bad Habit, no S is it? It's just Bad Habit, not Bad Habits. Bad Habit record store in Ipswich and I'm with Michelle. Hello. And Aaron. It's a podcast. It is a podcast. Uh, I've come out here because we're going to be talking Ipswich, talking about some really interesting things that are going on. Um, I want to kind of get a better, I guess, a bit of the kind of the specifics that are going on. But lately, I've been thinking a lot about how important places like Ipswich are, and that for most of the people that have probably listened to my podcast, I reckon would have gone through a similar experience where a certain part of your life, everyone moves to the inner city of the big cities, and kind of just consigns everything that's like not West End or not Marrickville or what's the equivalent in Melbourne? Fitzroy? Yeah, not Fitzroy or Preston as just like not important. Yeah, but yeah. but I think increasingly like we've got to kind of shift. We uh, People are changing their thinking about like you guys live in Ipswich, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think just the, um, the economics of living in a city, like when, when people our age moved to the inner city, it was cheap. And there was exciting things going on and it was a break. It was a change to growing up in suburbia, which felt so suffocating and boring. Whereas now the inner cities are expensive and just full of people on the way to the gym or like it's just everything sort of co-opted into an ad for the burrito bar or something, if you know what I mean, like that. Yeah, and it's... I think the things that drew a lot of people to those areas have just is yeah isn't there anymore, and there's not really an alternative, and we're sort of like our alternative. There's not like a mass alternative, I'd say, but our alternative was economic in that we bought a house out here because it was so cheap that we couldn't afford anywhere else. Mm. And then um, there was there was stuff going on here, and we just sort of tried to build on that and and add to it and try and make Ipswich like where we lived a place that was worth living and and that there was exciting things going on not just move to the suburbs and and disappear and never to be seen again I think also (laughs) the thing too is that I guess I'm interested in as well is when people hear Ipswich um the first association people have is with Pauline Hanson I guess and like but I think I think there's two things. It's like I think everyone who lives south of the border in Australia thinks all of Queensland is just like this fundamentally reactionary Mississippi in the fifties kind of place. And I'm not even sure if Mississippi in the fifties was Mississippi in the fifties. And then people in Brisbane displace that out to Ipswich. Yeah. But that's kind of like more and more like a really bullshit, I think, understanding of this place. Like like historically Ipswich has actually been like a Labour Party town. Yeah. And if, if anything, like, One Nation out here, like, the kind of weird opposition to the Labor to the Labor Party dominance out here. And I guess, like, the other thing that's super interesting, I know you guys have been kind of 
involved in is like, well, we haven't been involved in the corruption, but Ipswich is in the in this middle of like these like multiple different scandals over corruption, but also about like a super dump as well that's being built. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I guess we're pretty confused about that as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of it being a labour heartland, it definitely is. But I think that the sort of social progressiveness that might go with that is less relevant in Ipswich. Like it's just been the sort of heartland of workers for so long that there's just that kind of value set, um, which is why you see One Nation being so popular here. You know, it's either Labor or One Nation, which, you know, might seem maybe different ends of the spectrum, but they, you know, find a a, a niche together in Ipswich. Um, but, yeah, I, and, the, and there's just... Um, it's just been like a business-as-usual thing for so long with council out here, I think. Um, they've just grown this culture of getting away with stuff because no one really seems to care what's going on behind the scenes as long as they've got this charming, charismatic front man who seems to be um, kicking goals for the town. And he comes out to all the... Um, every school fade and every bake sale and would, and would get his photo taken. Like, we, I used to message him and he would always message back and say, oh, great, that, that, that punk show you're putting on looks really interesting. And then his office called me one day, this is Pasali, saying that he wanted to come along to the Belgrado show, which, um, you know, like that. <laughs> like I just sort of started messaging him sort of just as a funny thing, just to see what would happen. And when he just started replying, it was a bit like, oh, well, what, what have I got myself into now? <laughs> But you couldn't help but like him. Like, you'd run into him in the town and he'd just stop and have a chat with you and, um, you know, talk about local issues. And, and you're like, I love this guy. He's just like a friendly old uncle. <laughs> so this is Paul Pasali, yeah. who was the mayor for how long? 15 years or like a long 15 years. And he would, he consistently would get 80% of the vote, which is is unheard of anywhere in the world. Like, that's such a massive majority for a local councillor to get. And this is not like the Syrian elections. These are actual elections where yeah, someone's yeah. getting 80% of the vote. Yeah. Although some would say there was maybe a little bit of fraudulent activity going on. But <laughs> but certainly, yeah, if you'd be out... I mean, when we first moved here a couple of years ago, you'd be out in the shops and you'd overhear someone talking about Pasali and it would just be... Glowing. Praise all round. Like, yeah... Everyone seemed to hold that opinion that he was he was the bee's knees. But I think he also had a pretty pretty like mob boss undercurrent. Like s some friends of ours wrote a letter to the newspaper criticising him about something and the next day at like six o'clock he called them up and abused them down the phone. Called the people who wrote, wrote the letter? Yeah, yeah. Like tracked them down, worked out who it was and called them up the next morning and blasted them for... Writing the letter, which is bonkers as well. Yeah, some of the stuff you'd hear was just bananas, really, that, to think that that was happening. Some of the alleged stuff that you'd hear. Yes. <laughs> the beatings in the woods and whatnot. Well, okay, so this... Uh, let's go two steps here. So last year, and I don't think anyone in the, immediate, in the media has connected this in writing with any names... 
But a prominent anti-corruption campaigner, Jim Dodderall, was bashed in the woods, right? And they've charged... This is mind-blowing. I'm looking at an article from the 1st of March. They've charged two young men from um, Red Bank for this. But apparently involved was a dude who's like an ex-Zimbabwean secret police officer has been associated with it as well. Okay, I haven't even heard that. I remember hearing a rumour, I don't know if it went into the media, that one of the one of the goons that bashed him in the woods, the last phone the last phone number he dialed on his mobile was Paul Pasali. Just being like, What? That also sounds like like a funny urban myth story as well, but you know, like I don't think that's been reported on or anything and it yeah. So in, in the article I'm reading, which is um, from the Brisbane Times, two charged with attacking anti-corruption campaigner's dad, there's an, there, I'll quote, um, there was, in the, at the time, the 52-year-old Fairfax, the 52-year-old told Fairfax Media, local resident Brian Oberholster had approached him as leaving the church that morning and he agreed to meet him near Henty Drive in Red Bank Plains at 4pm. And this is when the beating happened. When he arrived, the man led Mr Dodderall and his father about 400 metres down a dirt track before disappearing. Mr Oberholster, who has experience in covert political operations and was a former commander in the special branch of the Rhodesian police, previously said there has been a lot of fake news and innuendo published about the incident but he would not discuss what happened that day until he'd spoken to the police. That is fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> when that story first came out, I was just like, I don't know what's happened here, but there's more to the story that's going on because the original articles that came out, like a, a quarter of the article was talking about how he was a, a karate expert. And I was like, what? What is going on? Like, Jim Dodderall was a karate expert, or yeah, I think so. One of, or yeah, I think the guy who got beat up was a karate, or it, and it made a real big point of mentioning that he was a like this is all crazy sort of stuff. But and I was like, I don't know what happened here, but it sounds like it all is not what it seems. Do you know Jim Dodderall? I know, I know of him though. I know he runs the Facebook group Irate, which is an acronym for. Is it Ipswich residents against toxic, toxic environments? Yeah, so they're very outspoken against the dump situation. Um, but I but I wonder about him and characters like Gary Duffy, who is the local One Nation candidate, but he's done um, so much work to expose the corruption in the council um, and is, you know, prolific on Facebook with sharing any piece of news that comes out or any allegation against the council. And I often wonder where he is getting all of this insider knowledge. Um, and I think I've... probably half of it is like, I, I don't know, like he's just a prolific Facebooker about sort of semi-conspiracy semi theory sort of things. And also he he's sort of set this ball rolling where people know he's the guy to go to when they've got some some beans to spill and when, when they've become fed up with trying to get a result from council so they go to him and tell him what's happened and and who's responsible in council so he's just been collecting and amassing all of this shit for years and years so pasali has resigned and is currently facing charges now the story that i heard and correct me if was wrong that Either Jim Dodderall or Gary Duffy or someone like that had sent a letter detailing all this corruption to former Cairns State MP Rob Pine. I think he's 
And Rob Pine read that in Parliament, and that's what then led to the police investigation. Uh, you know, like, where I don't, I don't know really the whole the whole the whole storyline. But from what, like, if you could you could look up that list of things that that had been tabled of of Pasali's corruption, and it was such an insane read. Like one of the one of the things was saying that he. There was a rest, an Italian restaurant that he ate at every week, and everyone in the marketing community knew that he would be drunk, and they would go there and get him to sign off on, on like Ipswich pens and merchandise mm. companies, like yeah, companies that like just make little <laughs> dorky trinkets. trinkets that, like promotional yeah. material would. It was known in the marketing community to go to this <laughs> restaurant at that time to see Basali, and he would just sign off on. And that was one of the things in this big like list of things, <laughs> and just reading it, and you're like, man, this is so bonkers. <laughs> like those little plastic fans that say, "I'm an I'm which, an Ipswich fan." Oh my god, <laughs> how else would have that got made, right? Someone had to be drunk. <laughs> but yeah, there was um, I don't know. You, it's probably still online. I've forgotten how to how to um get it, but I'll I'll find out, and I can. Yes, I don't know. It yeah, yeah, because it's a. It's a wild read in it in and of itself. And I remember, I've got to find the details for it. I remember there was something else as well where like they had set up like Ipswich Council had set up like an independent business that had like to do call centres for other councils, and then various people attached to the council had been appointed to the board of that as well. So basically Ipswich residents were subsidising a private call centre company to outsource services to councils around Australia, which seems fucking mental. Yeah, it's incredibly sketchy and they seemed pretty open about doing weirdly sketchy stuff like that. And I think the LGAQ is involved in that. So it sort of comes from the top, but I think that's sort of going to come out in time as well. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely the LGAQ were involved in getting that call centre set up. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that they created... Who's the LGAQ? The Lo- Local Government Association of Queensland. So they're a non-profit that sort of sits at the head of all the Queensland councils. Um, and where was I going? The, the, the LGAQ, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> the, the LGAQ was kind of like, um, was involved in setting this up as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, yeah, but then there was. There's also been stuff like you know they'll establish a private company to get all this development done, and have council members on the board of that as well. So, Ipswich City Properties (ICP) <laughs> they're the ones that have gotten all of this development rolling in town, and have done an absolutely shocking job of it. Um, and that's a private company. And, and what's going on? I'm probably not the best person to explain it, but yeah, the Ipswich City Properties is a private company established by Ipswich Council. Council. That and they, I think maybe it's. Uh, so they can really we, just sign off on projects themselves. Yeah, like I, I've, I feel like we're not a hundred percent qualified or know exactly yeah, yeah. how all this works, <laughs> but, but it's it, really sketchy. It definitely <laughs> sounds really. It sounded really sketchy, and I suspect in all this investigation that that will come out. But I feel like everything that's gone on in Ipswich is like the last stand of old style of government where you could just do all this sort of stuff and it wasn't really, and it's 
and now it's just all sort of come to light, whereas everywhere else maybe all this stuff came out like in the Fitzgerald Inquiry or in, in other sort of things years and years ago, but because Ipswich has been such a... like a, a marginal, poverty-riven whatever place, it just doesn't... it, it hasn't been the centre of any attention really apart from Pauline Hanson for so long that it just sort of could could do all these wild things and and yeah and nothing there'd be no consequences for it if that makes sense mm. but broadly we're now sort of in this limbo land where no one really knows what's going on and how far the corruption's gone and what what the the future's going to be like for the town especially the town centre now that it's looking like it'll go into administration. So after Pasali was charged with corruption, he resigns. There's another council election. Um, a new mayor who's, again, a Labor Party candidate, but seemed... Well, he's... he's, I, think, he's I think... He's Labor aligned. Yeah, he's Labor aligned. That's another strange thing that all these... A lot of the, the traditional Labor people now sort of are running as independent. Mm-hmm. Well, you, in council, you can't be yeah. you can't be openly anything, okay. but it's just sort of common knowledge when they are. Yeah. And so he he was elected. What's his name? Antonelli. Antonelli, and he's recently again been charged with corruption, but it was seemed pretty bullshit charges. Well, like he he's like an ex policeman, and he everything that I've sort of had to do with him, which hasn't been much. He seems pretty straight down the line, just maybe not not particularly progressive and maybe his hands have been tied anyway since he's been in there because he's known all this is, has been coming. But his the charges that came or the ones that have made public about him were he bought some, some items at a charity auction but used council money for it, which... Like it's bad, but it's if that's all that they've got him for, it seemed maybe mildly petty, perhaps. But I, I'm assuming there's there's a lot more stuff involving the the Ipswich City properties or what I don't know. Who knows what else? Mm. You know, a taxi driver said to me the other day that <laughs> um, Antonelli, in addition to being the mayor and and before that Division Seven councillor. He was appointed a consultant on the redevelopment of the mall, which apparently is a has like a 100 grand salary or something. So this taxi driver was saying, how can he be doing both of these jobs at the same time? And also, what would he know about developing a mall as an ex-cop? Um, like, <laughs> he's just got two salaries, which is... You but know. that's also taken from a taxi driver, so... Yeah, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. I reckon if you're going to ask anyone about what's going on in a town, the taxi driver's as good as it gets. Yeah, for sure. You'll definitely have the most interesting over-the-top takes on things, so yeah, that's, and that's good. Anyway, let's, let's move on. Yeah. And, and so after he's been charged, then the entire council has been sacked by the state government and Ipswich is now in administration. Well... Uh, we're still within that 21 notice period they have. They've been given a show cause notice. So they, they were, when Antonelli went down, they basically said, all right, this has gone too far. You've all, you all need to be sacked. Um, so Sterling Hinchcliffe 
made made, <laughs> made moves to get them all sacked, um, which is definitely the state government's intention now. But the council does have 21 days to argue that they should keep their jobs. So that's that hasn't. I think there's still a few days left on that. So I don't know what council's been doing, making Facebook groups to say that they shouldn't be sacked and that Tell sort of thing. <laughs> um, oh, you know. Um. Is, it, is it love Ipswich love our council? Uh, I, I don't know. I've seen one. Um, I don't think it was called that, but I'm sure there's probably several of them. Um, but then there's, you know, equally, equally um, zealous camps out there making various memes <laughs> to, to counteract that as well. Um, there's one of one of the councillors, Dave Martin, comes into the shop all the time, and he came to a to a show that we had here the other day, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I probably." He just got he just like got voted in, I guess, six months ago, and he was like, "Oh yeah, looks like I'm getting sacked," <laughs> and I'm just, and he's and he's quite a nice, friendly dude. I don't know. He always comes in and says says how excited he is about the shop and felt a bit sorry for him because he he just got the job and then um and now he's he's out of a job probably <laughs> yeah i think most people are of the mind that they're all going to go down and <laughs> that's it now and then there's uh, if if it goes into administration there's no council election again until 2020 so so that's just handing then the council over to state-appointed administrators. Mm. That's quite worrying too, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I wondered when those petitions were circulating to dismiss council, like if things could get just get worse. But I, I don't think they can really go on how they are. But it's for, for the centre of town, which... Um if you don't, if you don't know Ipswich, there, there's like the old sort of downtown area that used to be the centre of town, but then they built like a Westfield-style shopping centre, um, just you know a kilometre away. So that pretty much gutted the um, the centre of town. So now it's just full of empty shops and and whatever, which is where we're located. But they they had this big plan to revitalise all that and do all this development that had just started to happen before all everything went on so you know like every every second week or month there's another business closing in town and I feel like that's going to be where it's going to be felt the most where there was this like light at the end of the tunnel of this new development happening but now that's all grinded to a halt and there's pretty big you know there's no no real concrete plan of what exactly is going on there or so it's Sort of, it just feels like the centre of town will just continue to limp along. Which is sort of a double-edged sword for people like us and, and other people that we're connected with um, because we have this situation now where we have this sort of derelict city centre. Um, we were able to get amazingly cheap rent on establishing this record shop um, and there's a whole community of people who are generating ideas about how they can do things for themselves instead of waiting for council to do things. Um, sort of street street art activism and and rejuvenation and, and making livable, walkable spaces in town. 
Yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing from our point of view going on in Ipswich at the moment is um is that sort of yeah, I don't know, the grassroots sort of stuff going on. Because historically Ipswich is a mining town. Yeah. Right? And mining, I, railway. And at some point it rivaled Brisbane as an important city. It's my understanding of it, but now, like, what is the economic driver in Ipswich? Good question. Um, there's still a little bit of industry, but even the things like there was a Steggles plan, I think that closed down, and the Meatworks, all these sort of like, like other sort of large employees, I think they're slowly winding up as well. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely a mining town, and there was. Everyone always talks about how it was going to be the original capital of Queensland, but all the, the mines ran out of coal and the, the railway, whatever, reshuffled their, their operations, and now all those industries have, have gone. And um, I guess the biggest industry is... Ice. Is, <laughs> is maybe housing for, um, for workers in like a classic satellite city feeder city for Brisbane maybe I don't know and then there's Springfield as well which is a a weird sort of well yeah, yeah that's that's the thing really sort of interesting things right yeah like, distorting the stats there because that Springfield is growing so much all the time and that's just right there but it's not really Ipswich it's this sort of satellite area but you and know it, and it's been a long time since I've looked at Springfield because I got obsessed with it for like a week but it's been like someone's like 20 or 30 year plan to buy that bit of land, then basically develop it as pretty much like a privately owned city in coordinate, coordination with the TAFEs, the universities. Then it's got its own kind of like fake South Bank as well. So for people who don't not familiar with Brisbane, the centre of Brisbane, there's like a fake beach called South Bank and they've got that in Springfield at Orion's Lagoon. And every time I've read about Springfield, it's always been an astronomical amount of units that's being constructed out there in a very small geography and it's i was out there yesterday and it's just like bushland stops and then there's a high rise just literally right next to it it's such a weird it just feels like it has just been put there and it's um yeah it's a strange place and that's like um that's it within the ipswich boundary so it's I don't know, everyone says it'll probably break away to be its own city soon, but it's this sort of weird insta-city that has just has just popped up, I guess, in the last, I don't know, 20 years, 15 years or something. But mm. even now, you'll just go drive past empty blocks that have like 10 excavators just lined up, just waiting to, to build things. And it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of surreal. Yeah, Try. but it, it must be like a... It must be an enticing sort of value proposition for a lot of people, families, and or you know people moving from other countries and whatnot. Um, and maybe we're just weirdos that we would rather live somewhere a bit older and with a bit more history as central Ipswich, that might not have the same flashy new facilities, but is actually like a place with history and a bit of a story. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, look, I find it fascinating because, like, I guess the thing that I think about is, like, that 
that intersection between someone's got a big project for a long period of time to get that land, all these properties are built, so it's like they borrow money, then people borrow money. So it's this like concrete, huge financial bubble in this rapid development, um, all built in this fucking crazy you know, real estate market that we're all caught in of these huge inflated prices. It's like you can, all these things are so theoretical sometimes, but at a place like Springfield, you can see it literally concretely or whatever building materials <laughs> they use now, you know, like and rapidly shaping week, an area. By week you'll, you'll go past and there'll be just new, new development and it's literally was just all bushland and they're just building up to the bushland and they'll knock over some more and build some more at some and yeah, there's there's like I don't know the full whatever the full numbers or whatever, but there's things like the there's a new train line built in out there, which I know no no other development that has had had that sort of like state infrastructure put in for it. Which um yeah, I don't know. It's um it's probably a whole other podcast. I think I think there's a lot. And the other thing that's interesting that I want to talk about as well is those mines that have shut down. They're now the dumps, right? So New Chum, is that a suburb? Yes. New Chum, so that's where BMI is building an expanded super dump. And I did a bit of reading about this today that was really interesting. So apparently in 2012, the then Newman government removed like a levy that's on importing waste from other states. So replacing, like, isn't that like fucking amazing? Like these places used to be mines. They're empty, so the new industry now is importing waste from. Yeah, yeah, it's insane and it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> and it's totally classic, like, well, not not saying that it is, but it's totally classic, like, mafia sort of industry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a whole range of due diligence research you're supposed to do on the health effects of doing something like that you know, within a K of, like, hospitals and schools, but... Or whatever it is, you even, know, even more... Di- who knows, yeah. I dare, know I, dare say it. <laughs> I dare say a few corners have been cut. Well, because I was reading today as well that particularly this new super dump is building waste, right? So what people are really worried... Like, so residents are saying that already what you see is dust coming off the trucks and, you know, and no one is definitely saying that there is asbestos, but everyone... It's fucking terrified because it's building waste that's being dumped there. And I read another article as well that was saying that, like, a lot of the stuff that's being sent to Ipswich to dump is New South Wales recycling. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's recycling that's not being sent overseas. It's being sent to Ipswich to dump. And then Ipswich recently had its own recycling, like, scare. So I just think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it definitely feels like there's there's a difference. There's a story there that isn't being told <laughs> do you need to serve customers <laughs> do you guys want to be in a podcast <laughs> do, you, do you have any uh, opinions on what life in Ipswich is like at the moment <laughs> fair enough so, have you been? Have you been to any of the meetings about the dump out at New Chum? I haven't. No, um, I've had to watch a few online recordings of them. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that has angered a lot of residents. Um, and then, especially to follow that up with the announcement that Ipswich was just going to cancel recycling altogether, 
Um, yeah. Seems like such bad politics on the the people in charge, like Antonelli and Council, to actually just think that this sort of stuff isn't going to be a bad look for them. Mm. And, but I thought it was really interesting, like the coverage as well, where um, like a lot of the way that it was just reported was just like, oh, wow, look at Ipswich. People in Ipswich can't work out how to recycle, aren't they morons? Where it actually seems like something else was going, like that they knew that they had a long-term garbage plan which they'd ignored and knew these prices were going up and it just became about pizza boxes. But with all this shit going on, my conspiracy brain is like ticking over time. But the thing that um, has like changed my thinking on that is apparently like just reading through a lot of the media recently, all the like a lot of the councillors who got sacked, like Paul Duffy, who was the, was he the, what's the, the Paul sub mayor? Tully. Du- Tully, is it? Yeah, who's he? Uh, he was a deputy mayor. Deputy mayor. Well, very accurate. But he he was also like speaking out about like opposing the dump as well. So I had this theory in my head that they're all colluding. But it seems like every politician in Ipswich publicly says they're opposed to the dumps. Yeah, it's very hard to get a handle on that. Like if they're just pretending to be stupid or they really are. Or <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of internal conflict in the Ipswich Council that you just never really hear about. Like, I don't think it's like a monolithic force that is moving to to line their own pockets or something. Or like, a, it's, yeah, I'm reasonably sure there's all sorts of falling out and alliances made and whatever there that, that we don't really know about. I'm going to have to pop back to work soon, but the thing we haven't talked about at all is... On the other side is that you guys are really involved in Ipswich Underground and what is like this huge alternative culture and Cowden culture revival that's happening in Ipswich too. What's going on? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'd like to think that's growing. Um, just, what, just, so what's been happening? What have you been doing? Well... I guess it started with Aaron just putting on DIY gigs in town. Um, and then from there we decided to launch our own zine um, to get the word out a bit more and just build which on is, that. Is, which was more like a... a um, the idea was to do a sort of street press for Ripswich, which, um, yeah, like we had no idea whether it would work or not. It was just sort of a... a a funny social experiment. And I think just, yeah, just putting yourself out there as doing something like that drew drew certain people together that may have just been waiting for something like that to come along. And and there was definitely a lot of people who were already doing their own thing and plugging away at whatever sort of in individual projects, p- projects that they had. Um, and, yeah, we just tried to join up with them and, and build on that. Um, <laughs> So that's been good, but yeah, and it's and like we um still a work in progress. Has it been pretty crazy? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy to manage time and to to make it happen because um, like we've got a daughter and another one on the way and run a plumbing business as well and um and now running a shop as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, it's not as crazy as that sounds, or maybe it is, and we're just immune to it. I don't know. We're just 
very bad at doing it, so. <laughs> but you recently just, then you organised like a gig like two weeks ago outside in the mall? No, we, um, we have shows in the shop here and it's, um, and yeah, like the other, there was a band's play inside the shop, but there's big glass doors out the front. So there's often, you know, people just standing in the mall. So it's like a classic old style mall with, um, but with heaps of empty shops. So just everyone's hanging out the front of the shop. It's sort of cool. Um, yeah, it's definitely feels like a, a mild, um time bomb till we somehow infringe on some on some regulation that we're or many regulations that we're probably not <laughs> abiding by but um for now let's let's live it up and what's the kind of response you found like you know for like everyday people living out here looking for like alternative culture and what you know the history of that out here in Ipswich yeah it's pretty varied I think like you'll have some people who no one's re- been aggressively against it no um, yeah, most people are really supportive and encouraging. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's all types out here. Like some some people just are on a completely different wavelength to you, but you just sort of have to embrace them for who they are and 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 get them involved as well, and <laughs> just sort of let the beast take its own shape. <laughs> it's definitely the the biggest lesson I've taken out of this out of what we've done here is um. Like maybe when I was in living in Brisbane, I was sort of pretty, pretty focused on just some sort of reasonably specific concept of what underground music was or punk was or something. But just the two or three years since we've been here, I've just sort of tried to take more of a not a hands off, but just just accept other people's ideas of that and not not be as sort of douchey in a city hipsterish about about things if if that makes sense if you want any sort of community to grow you have to put aside certain things and yeah swallow your pride a bit and just get on with it because at the end of the day we just want it to continue and and get bigger and better and not focus on petty differences with people which i think in a small town is pretty easy to do Yes. Um. <laughs> oh, I think that's pretty good. I think that's that's like interesting place, crazy times, doing some cool things. I think we should um, keep an eye on all these stories and pick them up at some future time. Yeah, I feel like there's such a big hole for someone to really dig into the whole council thing and because and, um, all the reporting on it seems sort of vague and everything we've said is more or less just rumours and hearsay sort of thing. Like it's sort of... Yeah, I feel like there's such a big, and ideally that's what we'd maybe do with the Ipswich Underground, but we just don't really have the time to do it. So if any aspiring journalists out there want to um, want to come on board and need a project, I think it's really evidence of like the death of investigative journalism, right? Like it's just you get these kind of oh this is what happened every day, but this like this has been. Like, if we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning, so you have an anti-corruption campaigner beaten in the woods and then you have a mayor who falls down to corruption, the entire council sacked. You have the new chum dump going on. You've got the stuff that I hadn't had any focus on in terms of the reconstruct development of the city. 
you would reckon like Brisbane Times or the Courier Mail or the Queensland Times would be like, right, you know, Saturday investigate. I, th- I think modern newspapers, like the thing that they're selling isn't the isn't the news or the information. The thing that they're selling is that is the advertising in it. So I think that's what they're geared towards, and that's and it's probably pretty labour intensive and risky to run some story like that. It's worth a mention that when we started the zine, Ipswich Underground, we were offered some sponsorship by council, but it was in return for never saying anything bad about them in the zine. <laughs> That's mental. <laughs> but also that that would happen, the council would... Yeah. We politely turn them down. <laughs> and I guess it's also as well because if you think about those like smaller publications that do do longer, you know, that no one reads, like the monthly or the Saturday paper... Like, I don't think Queensland is on their agenda in this way or they can't make a story about it in a similar way. Because everyone that works there is... Anyone that's ambitious or whatever will just move to the big city and get a job at the, the whatever the, the big paper is so there's not, you know, some sort of cultural suck from, from all, the, all the smaller places like Ipswich and even Brisbane to an, to an extent. Everyone moves to Melbourne or whatever... And that's probably, you know... I also think people have a story about Queensland they just don't want to complicate. You know, that they've got an analysis that was made in the 80s, like Queensland is exactly like it was in the 80s. And, like, anything that's more complicated is just doesn't fit into what they want to hear. Yeah, that's probably true. We, like, I think we've made a point of sort of just... I don't know where I'm going with this, but, like, pushing... Like, just because Ipswich is what it is, the shows that we do, it just means people are more excited about it here. And even the people that come, that travel to play here, are the more, like, risk-taking, like, the more interesting sort of people that aren't just going to... Bands and whatever that aren't just going to go the standard route. And it sort of makes for a, a bit more exciting music scene or cultural or whatever if that makes any sense cool all right well i gotta go back to work so thanks aaron thanks michelle thank you you're welcome thanks for stopping by (laughs) always all right you've been listening to living the dream
Gotcha. You see how high that one was? Yeah.